This is part two of a sermon called Life to the World. And I want to focus just on verses 35 through 40 there in your liturgy. And this is from the message. And of course, we're continuing our series, the red letters of John, focusing on the particularly the way of Christ, what he said, what he taught. And we're going to see in this passage that is how we experience life, eternal life now. So John chapter 6, beginning in verse 35. I'm going to skip over what I read last week. They jumped at that. Oh, sorry. That's not right. Back, yeah, back up to, uh, yeah, right before that. Well, where am I? Sorry. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here it is. Here it is. Okay. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. I've told you this explicitly because even though you have seen me in action, you don't really believe me. Every person the Father gives me eventually comes running to me. And once that person is with me, I hold on and don't let go. I came down from heaven not to follow my own agenda, but to accomplish the will of the one who sent me. This, in a nutshell, is that will that everything handed over to me by my Father be completed, not a single detail missed. At the wrap-up of time, I have everything and everyone put together, upright and whole. This is what my Father wants, that anyone who sees the Son and trusts who he is and what he does and then aligns with him will enter real life eternal life. My part is to put them on their feet alive and whole at the completion of time. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Christ, I pray that you would convince us now experientially to our heart, even more than our head, that this is true that you have accomplished this work already and that we are at the gate of heaven right now and we can enter into life if we so choose. Would you show us how? Would you take us by the hand? Thank you that you've accomplished this work. It's only a matter of when, not if, but when we will enter into it. So give us that power, Holy Spirit, I pray, no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter why we're here even, in Jesus' name, amen. How many of y'all have heard of C.S. Lewis? Probably most of us, well-known Christian author, died in uh, the 1960s, was also a professor at Oxford and and Cambridge in England, and, uh, well, you know, renowned speaker, and he, you may know this, that he was once a, a devout atheist and um, then became a Christian. And that's part of his, his story. He was a very learned man, a very smart man. And so this garnered a lot of attention for him to kind of switch teams, if you will. And there was one time this uh, American Christian journalist who wanted to, was interviewing people that became Christians late, later in their adult years, like C.S. Lewis. And the theme of, of this 
this project that this, this American journalist was working on was decision. And so this journalist was interviewing people that became Christians late in life and wanted to know about the decision they made to follow God and to embrace Christ. And so this is what this, this journalist is interviewing C.S. Lewis at one point, and he really wanted Lewis to talk about this decision that he made. And Lewis refused, stubbornly refused to put it in those terms. Instead, this is what he said. He said he hadn't made a decision. God instead had closed in on him and he couldn't escape. He said, I was decided upon. Later in his autobiography, Surprised by Hope, or Surprised by Joy, that's surprised by, I'm thinking of an N.T. Wright book. Um, surprised by Hope was his autobiography. He, he put it this way, God's compulsion like what, what, what God's obsessed to accomplish and, and compelled to accomplish is our liberation. And God will not stop until it's done. And Jane read all the way in Isaiah 55 that the word will be sent and will accomplish what God intends, what God's purpose is in the world. And we see with Jesus, he shows up as the word, as John says, made flesh. So what, what Isaiah is a prophecy of is not just, is not the Bible. It is a, an embodied word, incarnated word, who is going to accomplish what God is obsessed with accomplishing, and that is your and my liberation, our freedom. And guess what? It's done. Only question is, will we enter into that? Friends, God, God chose you. Whether you believe in God or not, here's what matters. God believes in you. You know, the minute I, I and when I was 18, when I embraced Christ, my story is very similar. I, it was as if I, as, as I was trying to outrun God, God outran me. And if you're seeking God at all, it's because God has already sought and found you. That's the way it works. That's reality. God chose us. When I started believing in God, that moment wasn't the moment God began to exist, you see. And thankfully, God is love. God chooses us in love. We, we were decided upon, and God's intent is to free us to come to the party, to free us to come to this wedding banquet that is the probably the main metaphor for the kingdom, especially with Jesus. But that passage in Isaiah that Jane read is all about that too, prophesied in Isaiah, this wedding banquet. And so God is, God is intent upon freeing us to come to the party where you find your life. God's intent to free us to come to the party where we find our life. And that's the main teaching this afternoon. God's compulsion, and the reason God decided upon C.S. Lewis is the same reason God decided upon you and me. God's compulsion is to free us to come to the party. So, verse 37, it says, Every person the Father gives me eventually comes running to me. I like how 
Eugene Peterson translated that. It's not a matter of if. It, it will happen, only a matter of when. <laughs> Eventually, we come running to God because God first ran to us. You see Jesus, he says, I am the bread come down out of heaven. We don't wait to go to heaven when we die. Heaven comes to us now. That is actually what the Bible teaches. And so heaven has come, come running to us. The only question is, will we, because love is never coerced, it's never forced, will we enter into this banquet that is prepared for us? That's the only question. Will we enter in to the love? And so verse 37 continues, once that person is with me, this is talking about our experience and our, the objective reality. Jesus says, I hold on and do not let go. And there's the good news. Friends, you can't get outside the palm, the hand of God, the palm of God. You can't. <laughs> no one else can take you out either, which is good news. Nothing can, not even you or me. And so this is what Jesus is declaring to these people that had, had witnessed and really received experientially the benefits of a miracle. These were the, the 10,000 plus that were fed, that were given uh, from just a few fishes and loaves to a ton of food. We're given all that food. They're fed, and they're now really interested in Jesus because he, he filled their stomachs. And Jesus now is trying to bring them deeper to something even better than that. And that's what this whole conversation is about that we've been in. So what we see here in, in these verses here is, is Jesus, and this is something else that's hard for us to grasp, because to us, our lives are short, they feel short, and in, in, in the grand scheme of things, they, they are short. But friends, death is just a veil. If you have being, you have being forever. For, from now on, to, for the moment you were conceived, forever. And Jesus, think in the, if you get into the, try to get in the mind of God, you have to realize he, he always has the long view in mind, not just um, our short time on this earth. Now, he also has the moment in mind, too. It's not either or. It's both and. But what Jesus is talking about here in this language is, is the long view. It's both how we experience life now, but it is a life that will last forever. And so the long game with God, what we're being told is it's finished. It's done. It's accomplished all things will be restored, as we're told in, in um, multiple places in the New Testament. There's a, this is the long game. It's all going to be fixed. That is not yet, is it? But that's the long, it's all going to be restored. The long game is resurrection, transformation, bodily, all of creation. This is where we're headed. And the language you hear in this passage, and every time Jesus talks about this, is it's, it's, um, he, he speaks of it as if, as if it's already happened because, it, because it's been accomplished. And so there's this kind of already, but yet this experiential process of getting there. But folks, this is, it's as good as done. And, and so Jesus is kind of talking about how he, he was sent to accomplish this, and he will accomplish this. And on this side of this conversation, he has accomplished this. With the cross, hanging on the cross, he said, it is finished. He meant, I did my job. All things will be restored. I did my job. The word is sent out and it does not return empty. 
It brings all of us, that is, Jesus brings all of us with him at the restoration of all things. So, yeah, Julian of Norwich in the 13 and 1400s, it's no coincidence that she has this vision near death of Christ, and Christ tells her, here's the good news, long view, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. So if it's not well yet, it's not yet the end, right, Jimmy? If it's not well yet, it's not yet the end. So we can, we can have resilience, steadfastness. We can sit when things are not well and remind ourselves this is temporary. Jesus is, has all this in mind. This, this is what we're meant to feast on in order to have life regardless of our hard circumstances. That's the promise of the gospel. You can have peace, life, and joy when your life is hard. So if we're not experiencing that, well, either it's not true or there's something going on with us. We don't see it. We don't see reality. We're not experiencing reality yet. And we need to maybe recalibrate and change how we approach. We need to change. This is what Jesus means when he says, Change for the kingdom of heaven has come. That's, that's all that repent means. Change. Change how you're thinking, how you're living, because it's come. If you want to see it, it requires you to see things differently, to change, to think differently, and yes, to live differently. So Jesus is talking about all these things here as he's talking to, to these Jewish people in Capernaum. Eternal life begins now. Now, now how many of you, actually raise your hand, how many of you, maybe you grew up in the church, or maybe you didn't, but you just sort of think this way because we receive this, whether we sort of just in the air, in the environment, whether we go to church or not, that is teaching like this. How many of you thought or were taught that eternal life is only reference to the afterlife? That's how it was presented to me. Uh, Eternal life means what happens when we die. But yet, the claim of the gospel, now, there are some bold claims. I'm afraid we just don't believe them. But the, the claim of the gospel is what Jesus also accomplished was abolishing death. So if there is no death, what are we waiting on? That's, that's actually what the New Testament teaches, okay? So we need to recalibrate clearly. We need to rethink things. Eternal life, if we don't get this... And we don't get the New Testament. We don't get Christ. We don't get Paul. Eternal life is it's literally translated in the Greek, life eternal. It is a present reality. That's how we're meant to understand it. That's what Jesus was talking about. That's why all the language here is in the present tense. He, he means he came to bring life 2,000 years ago. Then and now. It's a present reality that then extends, yeah, forever. So th- this, we, we really have to rethink this as, as a church, as Christians, or we will not understand Jesus' teaching. We just won't. We won't understand the New Testament. So eternal life begins now. So listen to, to Jesus' language. This is what my Father wants, that anyone who, present tense, who sees the Son 
and trust who he is and what he does and then aligns with him will enter right then and there will enter real life eternal life and so peterson's trying to capture that present that tense that sense of things i love that he he translates it lasting life real life because jesus means now not later (laughs) he if it's real it will be now and will extend later that's what eternal life is all about that's what it means so that, I know that that's maybe some new teaching. Uh, I'm learning this more and more too. And guess what? The New Testament is coming to life for me like never before. We have to recalibrate. We have to rethink some things here uh, together. So this is, this is how N.T. Wright describes eternal life. He says it's sharing now, sharing the inner life of Jesus. Heaven comes down comes running toward us, indwells us. Now. So it's sharing the inner life of Jesus. He says, eternal tells you what sort of life it is, as well as the fact that it goes on after death. The new life which God has, all, has always planned to give to his world The eternal life that begins in the present when someone believes and continues in the future beyond death will eventually take the form of resurrection life. That is bodily, all things, physical, material, will be resurrected, redeemed, transformed. Then he says this. This is really important. He says the entire story John is telling is designed to end with Jesus pioneering the way into this newly embodied life. So if you want to experience it, you have to follow him. You have to live the way that Jesus lived. Yes, Jesus accomplishes, accomplishes this for us, but then we enter into it by following him and living the, the way of Christ, which is not the way a lot of American Christianity has approached things, you see. Um, and a lot of us know that because we've kind of been spit out of, of certain spaces and we're scratching our heads going, wait a second. The, the, the red letters that I'm reading seem to suggest something very different from the way, from things that are happening over here, right? So that's key. We have to live the way Jesus lived and following him. And the promise is when we do so, we experience this eternal life now. He says the promise of this present chapter, John 6, is that this life will be shared by all who taste of the living bread. So, Lastly, how do we enter eternal life? It's, Jesus has accomplished it for us. Not a matter of if, but when. How, do we, how can we enter in now? Well, this is, practically speaking, the way we enter in to this eternal life. We take part in church. We take part in church. Here's the key according to the way of Christ, which will mean, yeah, there are maybe a lot of churches that we maybe shouldn't go to. But House of Mercy is just one trying to be an expression of the wedding banquet, which also, friends, is now. This is not about where where we go when we die. This is something that is happening 
right now. And, and House of Mercy is one expression, just one expression of the wedding banquet. It's, um, as Richard War says, what church is meant to be is an audiovisual of this message that the wedding banquet has come. An audiovisual. That's what we're meant to be. And so, Hopefully, in coming to a church like House of Mercy, we're, again, we're just one expression, but, but this is the way you will encounter this life together. This is the way we will encounter the wedding banquet. So I want to end by uh, just retelling a story that Jesus told about this wedding banquet, which, again, in Jesus' mind, he brought with him around 2,000 years ago. It's in Luke 14. It's happening right now, therefore. If it happened 2,000 years ago, it's still ongoing, the wedding banquet. And again, this is his main metaphor for the kingdom. And so he tells a story. And he says there's, and again, this is a, a parable, a fictitious story giving a real message. So he talks about this this um, wealthy landowner who was throwing a banquet, a great banquet, a wedding banquet would be the metaphor, but just a great banquet. No one was necessarily getting married, at least not in this parable. And so the, the master um, says, okay, to his servant, it's, it's here. It's now. So go, to, go invite the people to come. Like, it's, it's happening. Go send out the invitations. And guess what? They go to everybody. So go send them out. And so the story talks about how the servant goes first to a person who's like, well, I've I got this new home, this new property. I've got stuff to do at, at home. Thanks, but no thanks. I, I have to tend to this. Okay. So then the servant goes to another person, and the person says, I've got work to do. I can't make it. Um, Now, he buys some work equipment, which back then was oxen, so that's what the story says. But it's work, and he says, I I have to examine them. I I can't make it. Thanks, but no thanks. You can keep your invitation. And then the servant goes to this person who says, I can't go because I have family in town. Family obligations. I, I I I can't go. Now, those are all good things, right? Those are all important things. But the servant comes back to the master, and and it says the master was angry, and then says, okay, go back out, and this is literally what it says in Luke 14, go out quickly to the streets and the shadowy corners of the city and bring in the people who will come, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And so the servant does, and they come. And he comes back to the master, and he says, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. Friends, there's always more and more room in the kingdom. (laughs) Always plenty of room for everyone. And so the master says, Okay, now go out beyond the city into the highways and byways and compel the people to come in. Because this is God's compulsion to fill fill, fill God's house, to bring us into the party, the wedding banquet. And so he says, go compel them to come in that my house may be full. For I tell you, none of those people who were invited and had excuses shall taste my banquet. Okay, now 
This is a warning. It's, it's not saying they'll never be there, but it is saying they will not experience life now because they are not receiving the invitation. They are not, therefore, tasting of this bread from heaven. If you want to taste it, if you want life transformation now, you, you have to show up. You have to come to the, to the wedding banquet and again, I'm just saying church is, is, is the way, it's an expression, it's a way through which we encounter the kingdom. That's how it works together. So this is really why they don't come. And this is, this is what happens to all of us. We get distracted <laughs> by good things, important things, but they are things that are not meant to fill us and make us whole. We need something else. We need something deeper that will actually make us whole. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, work and home and family All good things, but when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child, Lewis says, who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. He says, we are far too easily pleased. Uh, And, and, you know, another way of thinking of it is we would rather stay in our slavery even to good things. We wouldn't be a slave to them if they weren't, there wasn't something good about them rather than experience the life this bread from heaven has come to, to, to give. Okay. That's Luke 14. That's the wedding banquet that the, I hope you, you're getting the gist of things here, that we're all invited to. The gate of heaven's here. Not a matter of if, but when we will enter in and experience this life. This is the good news that Jesus has. What's good, Jesus? About this passage, well, the big message of the gospel is the wedding banquet is now. It is happening now. It is here, in fact. It is here. It it was not at my house last night when my vols got smashed. And I was not a joy to be around last night. I was embodied depression. I need something more than that. I need to be with y'all. I needed this today. (laughs) The wedding banquet was not there. It is here. It is with you. And I I miss you when you're not here. I hope hope you miss me when I'm not here too. That's, That's how the body is meant to function together. But it is up to us whether whether or not we experience it. It's up to us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for accomplishing it. Thank you that, again, it's not a matter of if. The good news of the gospel is that it will overcome, the love of God will overcome our slavery, our sin, our hate, our unbelief, our unwillingness to come. That's the good news. It ain't, it's not about earning anything. It's about living from a place of love, not for love. It's living from a place of grace 
But Lord, I, I, I pray that we would, as a group, as a church, experience this life. It's meant to be experienced. And I pray we would follow the way of Christ, the teachings of Christ, together so that we might experience it together. In Jesus' name, amen.